right? God is a God that gives instructions and they're very clear and concise. And God is a God about his perfect timing. Just because he gives you instructions don't mean that it's going to happen tomorrow. Just because he gives you instructions and he told you about the vision and he told you about the plan doesn't mean that it's going to get executed in two weeks. Just because he gave you the plan and he gave you the instructions does not mean that it's going to happen in the next three years. God's timing matters. You are now listening to Disciples in Progress, where believers in Christ renew their lives. Join the DIP community weekly as you learn about new ways of implementing God's word for practical use in your everyday life. Without further ado, now introducing your host and fellowship friend, Tamika Gray. Hello, hello, hello. You are now listening to Disciples in Progress, and this is episode number 35. This episode is titled Genesis in the Beginning, Noah, the King of Curses. Y'all, why this topic? Because we need to talk about these curses and how they can still be affecting us today. But most importantly, I want to highlight God's favor, right? And what I mean by favor, the definition of favor means the approval, support, or liking for someone or something. It's an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. So when someone has favor upon your life, they're like doing things out of generosity, just out of their kindness, just out of pureness, like something that you kind of wasn't expecting, but it happened anyways. And you're kind of grateful, not kind of grateful. You're really grateful that they did do it for you because you probably needed it. And you know what I'm saying? So when God has favor for you, baby baby that's all i gotta say but i really want to say family when god can find favor and when he has favor for you doors will fly open in your life okay in order to gain god's favor you must be in a relationship with christ you don't get to get kind things from strangers on the street ain't nobody walking up to you in the mall tomorrow gonna give you a thousand dollars in cash unless they're making a tiktok video and want to prove to the world about generosity okay but that's one in a million it's not happening so it's it's things like that but when you're in a relationship with christ and he has either found favor within you or has favor over your life, baby, nothing can come against you or the will that he has for you and the plans that he has for your life. And why do I want to make a distinction between God finding favor and favor over your life? Because when God finds favor in your life, that means he, it, it must've been something going on elsewhere in the world or in your life where it was just kind of like, God, you know, you God's child, but like when God finds favor, that means there's something spectacular about you that you got going on that God loves so much he was like oh we such and such is doing such and such okay I see you let me add a little razzle dazzle to your life okay and then when God has favor over your life it's just that you just automatically just granted an extra level of goodness you know what I'm saying and one thing that was told to me over the break here recently by a good friend is that you can't be mad about the favor that God has for other people that he might not have for you and I said well why is that she said because favor ain't fair what favor is not fair 
my amount of favor may not be the same amount of favor that God has in your life. And you might have greater favor in your life than God has in my life. But who am I as just a child of God to be like, well, God, you did this for such and such. And they was able to do that. And that happened for them. And I was doing the same thing. And why didn't that work out for me? Uh Uh-uh, friends. We are not in the business of getting jealous, envious, or upset about other people's favor, regardless if you believe that they they deserve the favor or not deserve the favor. Again, the definition of favor is the approval, support, or liking for someone or something. It's an act of kindness beyond what is due. When you are kind to someone beyond what is due, they ain't even privileged for the favor that they got in their life. That's why we should be thanking God for everything that it is that we receive in this life because it's nothing but God's good graces. It's nothing but if he wasn't going to give you nothing else for the rest of your life today, what he has done for you should be sufficient enough. But we know God is too good to just uh, start a plan and not finish it, okay? And that's just that on that. And so with that, y'all, let's get into the keys. One, two, three, four. All right, all right, all right. So the three keys that we're going to be covering today. First up, we're going. the first key that we're going to be covering is God's order, right? And what I mean by this is through my observation from reading Noah's story, I was able to see that God has has his order displayed in three ways. But let me read this first. My observation of how God assesses the state of his creation and how he chooses to move forward in, di- in the direction of his people. And the way that God does this is in three stages. The way that God assesses his creation is first he watches right? He's always watching. He's watching what is going on. He don't miss a beat. Even the things that you think you're doing in your secret time and away from people, he saw it. He saw it, right? So God watches. The next thing that God does is he gives instructions, right? He gives instructions. And then after he gives instructions, he pays close attention to timing, right? It's nothing like God's good timing, God's perfect timing, right? And so he watches you, he gives you instructions, and then he executes his plan in his righteous timing. So when God is assessing the state of his creation, aka all living things and created on this earth, right? He's going to watch it first. Then he's going to give instructions to help correct or course, or course correct the things that is going awry. And then he's going to make sure that things get done in his perfect timing. So we are going to be highlighting this formula within Noah's story, right? So that's the first key that we're going to be tackling. The second key that we're going to be tackling in today's conversation is God's covenant, right? AKA promises, right? When God has favor over your life, it comes with perks. That's what favor is. It's a, it's an act of kindness beyond what is due. And so God had restored his covenant with Noah and his descendants. And we're going to be outlining 
the um, details of that covenant, aka the promise that God made to Noah for his obedience, right? And then the third and final key that we will be addressing in today's um, episode is how Noah is the king of curses, y'all. There are so many curses that can get overlooked while reading this um, text, and I really wanted to bring it to our attention because these curses are still present today. Just because it was given 10,000 years ago or 20, however long years ago, baby, does not mean that the curses just stop. No, they still going. And so we want to take a deep dive at two of the main curses that stood out to me in this story with Noah. And with that being said, let's get into the breakdown. Get into the breakdown. Alrighty, guys, let's get into the breakdown. I want to first by start saying that Noah's story starts in Genesis chapter 6 through chapter 10. So that's 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. That's five chapters that you will have to go through in the book of Genesis to read Noah's story from start to to finish right we all know about Noah's story right Noah was the one who was chosen to we and to create this boat and God sent this flood and then after that God restored his covenant with the rainbow and promised that he would never flood the earth again but he only chose Noah to continue on the human race with his family once God has sent the flood so we all heard about Noah's ark in the children's book but in today's conversation I want to highlight God's order, right? Which is the three ways or stages that God assesses his people and gives them instructions. And then he implements his perfect timing, right? And so we're going to start reading that in chapter six in Genesis. Y'all know I read from the New Living Translation, NLT version. And we're going to be starting at verse nine through verses 22 and it reads like this the story of noah this is the account of noah and his family noah was a righteous man the only blameless person living on earth at the time and he walked in close fellowship with god noah was the father of three sons shem jepheth and ham now God saw that the earth had became corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all the corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large ark from cypress wood and waterproof it with tire inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 400 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look. I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on this earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant, aka promise, with you. So enter the boat, you, 
and your wife and your sons and their wives bring a pair of every kind of animal a male and a female into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all of the animals so Noah did exactly everything as God has commanded to him I'm gonna keep reading a little bit more when everything was ready the Lord said to Noah go into the boat with your family for among all the people of the earth I can see that you alone are righteous take with you seven pairs male and female of each animal I have approved for eating and for sacrifice and take one pair of each of others also take seven pairs of every kind of bird there must be a male and female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood seven days from now I will make the rains pour down on the earth and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth all living things I have created. So Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. Now Noah was 600 years old when the flood covered the earth. Alrighty guys. So what did we just read? We basically read God, basically he, he made an observation about what was going on in the earth. He gave instructions on what needed to be done. A boat was supposed was instructed to be built. And then God said in seven days, I will start this flood. And in this flood, it will flood for 40 days and 40 nights. Right. So that was God's timing. Right. And so I really wanted to zoom in with you guys for a second on um, God's instructions. If I can take your attention to chapter six, verse 11. It reads like this. This is proof that God watches, right? The text says this. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. Okay. That was the first observation that God made, right? He was watching. My ears pinked up when it said, now God saw. Let's keep reading. Verse 11 reads like this. Then God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on the earth was corrupt. Right? So when I say God pays attention, he's paying attention to the good things and the bad things. He don't close his eyes just because you doing things in secret. He don't shut his mouth or stop watching or observing as a God or a father would just because you don't want him to see what's going on. He sees what is going on and you can't hide from him, baby. You can't do it. Right? And so we got a God that watches. And so God basically was observing all the the bad things with that was happening on the earth this is right after chapter six right of where the um the angels were having sex with the human women and if you go back and listen to my old episodes y'all we broke this down so i hope you guys have been following along we are in a sermon series okay i ain't no preacher i ain't no pastor and i ain't never been able to uh, do those things and that's not my job here baby we just reading the bible together and breaking it down okay so yes this this story comes right after chapter six where the angels was having sex with the human women creating their own creation so this is exactly what was happening 
when all of that stuff went down corruption and violence was on the earth crazy and god didn't like that and so once we move from god's instructions verse 13 shows and highlights that a decision was made let's take a look at that it said in verse 13 in chapter 6 it says so god said to noah then i have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence yes i will wipe them all out along with the earth so after god observed things he's gonna make a decision okay either i like what's going on we're gonna continue on down this path or i don't like what's going on and now i'm about to make this choice and the choice that was made in this story was to destroy everything because clearly these people can't get right right and so yes god made a decision and he told noah about his decision and right after that decision was made god gave noah instructions he instructed Noah to build a large boat. And I really want y'all to pay attention to how detailed God was in his instructions to Noah about how he needed to build this boat or this ark, right? And this is important because I need you to apply this to your life. When God gives you instructions, baby, he's not a God of confusion, that that's not his realm that he, he operates in. He's very clear in what he wants. He's very clear in his instructions to you. He's very clear in what it is that needs to get done. Sometimes when we are wrestling in our hearts and our minds with things that we know God has told us or the details or the execution of how a thing is supposed to happen is because there may be something within us that we may not like that's been asked of us to do that's the only time i personally find myself struggling with the instructions in which god had given me and so in this situation and what i love about the people in the old testament in the bible many of them when god gave them instructions on to do something baby they get up early the next day and they do exactly what is being told and several times in this story we didn't see noah going back asking god questions well why are you want the upper deck to look like this and the lower deck to look like this and god why you say make an 18 inch hallway and why this door need to go over he didn't ask no questions he just was obedient to what it is that god told him to do and a lot of us in our real lives need to start stop asking questions just just do what he said okay sometimes all them questions be causing your own confusions and that's a form of disobedience delayed obedience is still a form of disobedience when god tells you to do something you do it you don't sit around and ponder you don't sit around and think about it you don't sit around and question everything that's going on and it's okay to have questions but you better be obedient and ask the questions why are you doing it god god why do you want me to build this boat well what's happening when i get in this boat how are you gonna protect my family and if you pay attention in the instructions, God is clear about what's going to protect his family, what he's going to need to uh, ensure the safety of uh, his legacy. And on top of that, because you're being obedient to me and I found favor upon your life because you are a righteous man and you have a close relationship with me, I'm going to restore my promises, my covenant with you. Noah didn't ask no questions. I'm going to start encouraging us in 2023. We ain't about to keep questioning God. He been too good. He ain't never led us astray. We may not have done things to the T of how we wanted it to get it done, but it still got done. And y'all know social media be like, if God ain't going to do it, it ain't going to get done. And I know that's right. Amen. Amen. So y'all, 
We need to just pay attention to the instructions that God gives us in our life because God's instructions are very clear, concise, and to the point. He's not a God of confusion. Baby, that's something else going on. We're going to have to pray on that. And the final thing is God's timing, right? I didn't read all five chapters of Noah's story because it really does go into the details of how long he was on the boat, how, you know, the things that happened while he was on the boat and things of that nature. I encourage you to go read chapter six, eight and nine for yourself so that you can get that understanding. But to talk about God's timing, when Noah got on the boat, he was 600 years old. And that's old, y'all. Ain't nobody in 2022 living to 600 years old. But God, after this, cut the lifespan if you go read the book of Genesis. But that's neither here nor there. Noah started on the boat 600 years old. And when he was finally able to get off the boat, he was 601 years old. So it took a full year and a few months for God to flood the earth and then dry it back up so that Noah and his family could exit off the boat and the animals as well. That's how long it took. You can find how long and the details of how long it took for God to flood the earth and then to dry the earth up in chapter seven and eight. But I want to bring your attention to what God used to flood the earth and what God used to dry the earth. In chapter seven, verse 11, it stated that God had flooded the earth by causing the underground waters to erupt from the earth and he brought rain down from the sky. Right. So not only is rain coming down, causing floods, but the water underneath the ground, underneath the earth is erupting, causing it to gush up out of the earth. Y'all, that's insane, but it can happen. OK. And then the way that God dried the earth is in chapter eight, verses one through two. And it stated that God dried the earth by sending a wind to blow across the earth. He also stopped the underground waters from continuing to erupt and he stopped the rain from falling from the sky. And so it took wind and the, and the stopping, the, the stopping of the water in order for God to dry up the earth. And this all took about a year and some months for God to flood the earth and dry the earth and fulfill his promises and destroying the earth because there was corruption going on in the land. So. I hope you guys have a clear understanding of God's order and how he corrects and assess what's going on with his creation. God is a watcher. He watches everything, right? God is a God that gives instructions and they're very clear and concise. And God is a God about his perfect timing. Just because he gives you instructions don't mean that it's going to happen tomorrow. Just because he gives you instructions and he told you about the vision and he told you about the plan doesn't mean that it's going to get executed in two weeks. Just because he gave you the plan and he gave you the instructions does not mean that it's going to happen in the next three years. God's timing matters. Therefore, you will need to rely on the fruit of the spirit. Patience. And also have enough trust in your relationship with Christ that he's going to do what it is that he said he's going to do. And with that being said, let's move on. 
the second key okay and so the second key that we are going to be breaking down is god's covenant and aka promises that he made in the book of genesis and noah's story and i really wanted to take some time to really take a look at this because it's important right this covenant still remains today and the reason why we know this covenant still remains today is because anytime after it rains or things of that nature god has sent a rainbow as a symbol to represent God's promise to never flood the earth and destroy the earth with water. Right? And so anytime that you see the rainbow, that was God's original covenant sign that he created and placed on this earth for man to look at and for um, him to look at, to remind himself of, okay, this is what I'm not finna do. This is what we not finna do. This is what we, okay. So yes. So let's get into the covenant that was made. The covenant is broken down in chapter nine in Genesis. And this is the restoration of God's promise that was restored with Noah and his family. It's broken down in three things. In my personal opinion, the first part of the covenant was to be fruitful and multiply. He restored that with Noah and his children, right? So their now job is to repopulate the human race together to generate new people on the earth because God had clearly killed everybody besides Noah and his people. Right. And then the second part of the covenant was God restoring the order within his living creatures. Right. So dominion humans have dominion over animals. Animals have to submit to the humans. Right. And so after he gives the restoration of order within his living creation, he then follows up with the type of consequences when his order is broken. And so I want to take a little sneak peek into that. I'm not going to read word from word. I'm just going to read from my understanding of what I took after reading chapter nine. If you want to learn word from word, what God's covenant was, go in Genesis chapter nine and it breaks it down there. But this is what I gathered. So the covenant of course we got the first be fruitful and multiply but then here is where god is given the instruction about dominion right and it says so humans have power over animals which are the birds small animals that scary on the earth fish in the sea everything right these things these animals are supposed to fear us because we have dominion over them right and it says that any a, anything that kills a human must be killed. So if an animal kills a human, we must kill that animal because it shouldn't be killing us because we have priority. God has more priority over us as humans than any other thing he's created on this earth, right? So if an animal kills us, then we get to kill that animal. That animal has to die. But it also says that, if a human kills another human, that human will die at the hands of another human. That's a curse because say Jimmy and John got into a fight, right? And Jimmy decides to kill John. John's dead. Jimmy still has to die. And so in order for Jimmy to die, 
Somebody got to come kill Jimmy. But whoever kills Jimmy, they have to die too. So the moment that we started killing each other on this earth, we it, it activated the circular curse, right? Because if one person takes the life of another person, then that person's life has to be taken. But because that life has to be taken, then that person got to die. You see how it's circular? So it's just in our best interest to not kill each other because everybody eventually gonna have to die because the the cycle just gonna keep repeating itself just don't do it friends just don't do it and so the covenant also remind uh reminds noah and his descendants that the animals and every living creature on this earth you know is beneath them and cannot and is not allowed to kill them and then God sealed his covenant with the rainbow, which is set to remind us about God's promise, right? And so that's basically the breakdown of God's covenant that was restored with Adam, with Noah. It started with Adam and Eve, but you know, that happened. And so anything that was created off of the lineage of Adam and Eve was destroyed by Noah's flood. So this was the second creation of the world, right? All of this happened in less than six chapters in the book of Genesis. Y'all, it's juicy. It's too juicy for you not to go read it for yourself. And with that, we are moving on. All right, guys. So we are now getting into our last key, okay? The last key that we're going to be talking about and discussing is how Noah is the king of curses. And so I already broke down the first curse that was given in the book of Noah or in the book of Genesis in Noah's story. So that's a circular curse that was given. That was the first one. And then the second curse that was given was by uh, Noah. And this curse happened right after they had got off the boat. Noah had did the sacrifice. The land was dried up and he, you know, now his, the uh, covenant was restored to him and his children. And now they're celebrating, right? And so I want to bring y'all attention to chapter nine, and I'm going to be reading verse 18 through 28. And this is where the second curse was enacted by Noah to his sons. So it reads like this. We are in Genesis chapter nine, verse 18 through 28. It reads like this, the son of Noah who came out of the boat from their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan, which is a group of people that is talked about in the book of Genesis. But the three sons of Noah is Shem, Ham, and Japheth. From these three sons of Noah come all the people who now populate the earth. This is still very much so true. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made and became drunk and lay naked inside of his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers, Shem and Jepheth. Then Shem and Jepheth took a robe, held it over their shoulder and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they did not look at their father in his nakedness. When Noah woke up from his stupor, aka sleep, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Ham and his descendants, which Ham is the leader 
of the descendants of the Canaan people. And it, and this is what the curse says. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relative. Then Noah said, may the Lord bless the God of Shem, which is his oldest son, be blessed. And may Canaan be his ser- servant. So now Ham, which is Shem's brother, has to serve, serve him, right? Then it says, may God expand the territory of Jephthah. May Jephthah share the prosperity of Shem and may Canaan be his servants. Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years and then he died. So let's break that down because that can be a little confusing, right? So basically what happened was... Noah, you know, celebrating, he done planted a, 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 a yard full of grapes and was like, look, sons, we about to turn up. He turns up too much. He gets drunk and falls asleep naked inside his tent. And when, as he's sleeping, unaware of what's going on, his youngest son named Ham comes inside the tent and sees his father naked and he runs out and he goes to tell his two oldest brother, Hey y'all, guess what I just saw? I saw dad naked in the tent and they looking at him like fool. Now why? What? And instead of them running in there to go see their dad naked, they decided to go cover their father with a blanket. And then the next day when Noah woke up and he found out that his youngest son had saw him naked, Noah got angry and he cursed him. And instead of giving him enlarging territory or prosperity or favor like he did his two oldest sons, he cursed him, his youngest son, with the the gift of being a servant to his oldest two brothers. And not only was him himself cursed, but Noah cursed his descendants. So any child that him birthed from himself and his wife, they are now doomed to be servants. That's all they will ever amount to be. While Jephthah and um, what's the other son's name? And Shem, the two oldest sons, got to be blessed. So y'all, that that's what happened. All right. That's what happened in Noah's ark. Like Noah built the boat because he was obedient to God. God restored his covenant with him. And bada boom, bada bang. Um, I'm still low key confused on why Noah got so mad that his son saw him naked. Y'all know the Bible don't be giving us the real tea. Well, I think, and y'all, this is my opinion. I'm just adding to the story because I'm a little, I love a little tea now. Because it still don't make any sense. What I think happened was... Ham went into the tent, saw his daddy naked and probably did something and went out and told his brothers about his sexcapades because this ain't the first time that a father got drunk and was having sex with his children and he didn't know. We already covered that in another episode. That's why y'all got to go back and listen to these episodes. Y'all, it's too juicy. Too much tea is in this book to not be sipping on. I don't understand why y'all don't want to sip the tea and the Kool-Aid with me. Because, well, I don't really like Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid give you diabetes, but tea's real good. With that being said, y'all there you have it folks another powerful message given to me by god always remember he works on me to get through to you with every single episode if you enjoyed this episode be a dear and support me by following me on instagram at d-i-s-c-i-p-l-e-s 
in progress or just type in the dip podcast and i should pop up and don't forget to leave a review until next monday bye